Hey there, I'm Mike. Some of you know me from the Twisted Cape. Some of you know me because there's some horrors in this house. But regardless of how you know me, you know I love comics, and that's what we talk about on this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mike's Big Stack. Oh, hell yeah, my thickies! Welcome to the show, everyone, recording this week at the world-renowned Thickness Museum. All the clues are out for Mike's Thickest Stack Attack number one. Get your submissions in, and you'll get mailed a sweet, sweet prize. Holy shit, you guys, there are so many announcements to start the show. For starters, I'm going to be beginning a bite-sized look back at big story events slash crossovers just so that we can determine whether or not it was worth our time. And I'll be starting with Empire, so look for that very soon. Additionally, we're putting together our next giveaway as we speak. But just so you know, it'll be epic. Finally, I'll drop the last announcement at the end of the show. Now here come your city shoutouts for the week. I appreciate you stopping by Fayetteville, North Carolina. Thanks to our Fort Vermilion friends in Canada, y'all are the best. Welcome in Seal, Alabama. Hope you stick around. Thanks for listening, Tucson, Arizona. And last but not least, thank you, Brisbane, Australia, for listening to the show. As always, we start by rating the thickness of my stack, so climb that pole while we check out Mike's Thickometer. Oh, yeah, Mike's Thickometer. Thick like light and fluffy egos, this week clocks in at a 5 out of 10 on Mike's Thickometer. It's like a satisfying dinner of thickness. You still have room for dessert, but if there's no dessert, that's okay. In case you're curious, the stack leans to the DC side this week. Also, we did not include New Mutants, but we will be getting into that soon. This week, we start with the DC books. Beginning with Batman number 98, I gave this a 4 out of 5. This is the issue where I think I really started to enjoy this Joker War art. Book ended with Catwoman, but features plenty of Batman and Alfred and an epic Harley punchline battle. Starting with the battle between Harley and punchline, we finally get some true insight to who punchline is, and disturbingly, she believes in what the Joker stands for and does. Harley lays a pretty sweet beating on her until Batman stops tripping balls and knocks out punchline. Speaking of which, in his dream state, he finds a way to reconcile with Alfred. He talks through his problems with his most trusted confidant, and he finds his purpose again and summons the Bat family. Finally, Catwoman. The issue starts with Selina feeling guilty for her part in the designer's plans that led to Joker getting Bruce's money, company, power, etc. The issue ends with Selina saying that she's going to leave the safe area established by the Gotham Underworld and that she's taking Penguin and Riddler with her, promising to make them billionaires. I like this issue because it forced Bruce to confront Alfred's passing in a way that he really hasn't done yet. The art was amazing as usual, but the story finally felt like it was going somewhere significant to me. Next up we have DC's Dead Planet number 3. I gave this a 4 out of 5 as well. This issue held several significant moments as well as what are likely key developments for the series overall. Constantine's team deals with the fact that they just ran into a killer plastic man and lived to tell the tale 
and look to fight off a bunch of anti-life zombies and get rescued by a bunch of what they call rich bastards that seems to include the Penguin, Max Lord, and Jason Blood, among others. Jason Blood is the inhabitant now for Etragon, the demon, and reveals that Trigon is coming to wipe out the Earth. Swamp Thing discovers that they are keeping the Floronic Man in captivity, which is why the Green is calling out to him from this area. When he demands the release of the Floronic Man while holding Max Lord, Max Lord declines, and he's immediately decapitated as a result. As a reaction, Professor Ivo releases an Amazo android to tackle the heroes, but they escape. Ivo has an army of Amazo androids at the ready. This is significant because they basically have all the powers of the Justice League. Meanwhile, Damien has a touching reunion with Jim Gordon, and John gets fully healed at Dr. Fate's tower. The team starts to formulate a plan to get the cure out of Cyborg, which takes John Constantine and Bobo to go meet Mr. Miracle and convince him to help solve the apocalyptic part of the problem. It seems that Mr. Constantine is setting up a heist, and you son of a bitch, I'm in! <laughs> this book paces well, which is a testament to how much Tom Taylor loves and understands these characters. I love the art in this book, specifically the use of shadow and the amount of gore that's handled pretty well. Next up, we have Detective Comics number 1026. I gave this a 3.5 out of 5. This is a Joker War tie-in, but it's a one-shot story, basically, about Batman and Killer Croc. I really enjoyed this story, but I think the thing I like the most is how it barely touches Joker War. Batman tracks Croc to the sewer and gets the lowdown from him in an exposition dump type series of pages. Croc actually rescued some people by, from being killed by some toxic chemicals that were released into the sewers, but they were transformed into creatures. Croc ends up issuing a challenge to Batman that they'll all leave the, the sewers peacefully if Batman beats him. But if Croc wins, Batman walks out of there and doesn't come back. So, of course, Batman wins, and in a touching moment at the end, despite being in Arkham, Batman acknowledges Croc's humanity, which earns a little respect for him. I like the art in this book a ton, specifically the pencils and line work. I thought it really enhanced the story overall. It's just a good, tight read. Next up, Hellblazer Rise and Fall number 1. I gave this a 4 out of 5, and this right here is my DC book of the week. This is the kickoff of a new Black Label series by Tom Taylor, who is writing Deceased, and it's pretty nice. The story follows John Constantine from birth to a young boy dabbling in magic, where he has some things that become repercussions later, to the present day, where a girl from his childhood is looking into an occult-style murder of people who look like angels. The boy that dies early on in the book, Billy, comes back as an undead creature and starts causing havoc for John, which weighs on his conscience, before he has an encounter with the actual devil in his own eating curry. It sounds ridiculous, because it is ridiculous, and it works. This book is great because of its adult style, visceral art, and well-told, well-paced story. You can tell from Deceased that Tom Taylor has a story to tell with Constantine, and this is the perfect way for him to tell it. Definitely worthwhile. I'm probably underselling a bit here because I definitely want you to read it. Next up, Justice League number 52. I gave this a 3 out of 5. This is a Batman-centric story that wraps up a quick arc centering around the Black Mercy. Bruce has a long conversation with quote-unquote his mom about what he's been doing as Batman. She wants to see her little boy live again, claiming that Batman killed him. 
She talks to him about his future and, and whether or not he can have a truly happy ending and just walk away from it all. Meanwhile, Wonder Woman and the rest of the League break free of the Black Mercy and the team rescues a bunch of the aliens that they found there, burn the Black Mercy down and return to Earth. Batman and Superman have a moment on Earth discussing what they saw in the Black Mercy, which is kind of touching to who they both are as characters. It was a solid story, but I keep feeling like they're having real issues writing a Justice League book that focuses on the entirety of the League and not just like specific character-centric stories. The art is gnarly and in a good way at times throughout the book, and at other times it's as grand and iconic as the Justice League should be, particularly that very last page with Batman and Superman posing on a, on a rooftop. Next we have Strange Adventures number 5. I gave this a 2.5 out of 5. Uh, this limited series continues with a look at Alana and Adam's relationship. In flashbacks, they seek the help of Underworlders and get locked in a cave while the monarch, a princess or a queen, I can't remember which, uh, of that world mulls over the decision to aid Ran. They do what they have to do for survival in that cave. They kill like a bunch of alien rats and wind up making love in that cave, as you know you do. They accomplish their mission and bring their daughter back to watch a wedding ceremony at the end of the issue. Back in present time, it seems as if there's going to be a peaked invasion, and there's a congressional hearing in which Alana sets herself up to be on a task force, alongside Adam, of course, set to prepare to repel a peaked invasion. It seems as if Alana and Adam are on the same page here. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but I'm definitely intrigued. It has all my detective senses on edge. I'm still not sure where it's going, and the jumping back and forth between the past and the present is disorienting, which is not always fun. Last DC book here, Young Justice number 18. I gave this a 2.5 out of 5 as well. The issue focuses heavily on former Robins, Drake and Spoiler, who also have to be a couple. Yeah, a couple. They're tracking down Steph's dad, and Tim alerts the rest of Young Justice, thinking they might need some backup. Steph takes down her dad, who she's been tracking quite sloppily, I have to add. She made more of a mess trying to find him than she actually did once she found him. After she takes him down, the team goes for food, and it looks like Tim is back in his Robin costume, which is interesting after last week's show and Damien giving up the Robin moniker. Cassie crashes down and says that she needs Young Justice's help at the end of the issue. This issue contained a lot of backstory and not a lot of action or development here to me. It was also hurt by the decision to switch up artists throughout the book. Their two, the two styles that they used just didn't mesh well at all, and I would have preferred just something more constant throughout the book. The most interesting thing here is about the Robin name. I'm curious to see where that's going to go. All right, after a quick word from Jesse, we're going to come back with the Marvel books. We're going to hit it hard. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Jesse at the Twisted Cape. We just wanted to take a moment to thank all of you amazing listeners of both the Twistcast and Mike's Thick Stack for your support over all these years. Just a friendly reminder to subscribe to our shows on your favorite podcasting platform because we're everywhere. Also, don't forget to like and rate the Twistcast wherever you listen. We do love our five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Don't forget to tell us what you like about the show in your review as well. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back. Did you get yourself a drink? Maybe a, a nice uh, little sleeve of cookies? Maybe some cake? Who knows? Get yourself a little snack. Feel good. We're going to do these Marvel books now. Starting with Empire number 6. I give this a 4 out of 5. This was Mar the Marvel book of the week to me. 
This ends the series that was much more fun than I anticipated. This book finds a way to incorporate some of Fantastic Four number 23, which I'll cover next when we talk about Fantastic Four number 23. But it still remains its own thing. There are several immediate problems. The sun is going to explode, an imposter has been discovered, there's an invasion going on, an Avenger is seemingly dead, and another one is very near death. Tony and Reed each take an immediate issue. Reed goes to Wakanda in a badass Iron Force suit, that's what I'm calling it, uh, patent pending, while Tony figures out a way to keep the sun from exploding. Captain Marvel, Human Torch, and Wiccan are attempting to absorb the energy of the sun is supposed to put off when Tony enacts his plan using one of Mr. Fantastic's suits because of unstable molecules, unknowingly working in tandem. On the ship in space, Rakil has been discovered and fully outed and taken down on the spaceship while Teddy reclaims his throne. Ben Grimm is facing down a Kotati-controlled She-Hulk, and she almost kills him. It's really bad. The Kotati are stopped in Wakanda, allowing her to reclaim her body, but she sees the green door, which my immortal Hulk fans will absolutely recognize. Black Panther raises from the dead, if you remember, he's king of the dead, and uses Teddy's star sword to take down swordsmen. There's a sick moment in the book with Invisible Woman and Mantis, where Susan is free to use her powers absent of pain momentarily thanks to Mantis. She's incredibly powerful, and it's about time people remembered that. On the art side, there was a ton of variant covers, which made it hard to settle on just one, but I did. The interiors remained crisp and as smart as they have been the entire series, which makes it even more impressive. I'll do a recap of this in full uh, shortly. I'm not sure when, but very, very soon, probably in the next week or two. Moving on to Fantastic Four, number 23. I give this a 3.5 out of 5. This book is a direct tie-in to Empire number 6, which I just said, which is sort of cool. The four still consists of Franklin and Valeria, Spidey and Wolvie, but the true heart of the book is really between Jovan and Nicola, who are both a Kree and Skrull. While the Fantastic Four battle the Kotati, the Kotati leaders enact their plans to break up the fragile Kree-Skrull empire by using Jovan and Nicola's memories against the soldiers. Master Forest, the Kotati leader, and others eventually capture both kids and attempt to use them via Omniwave projector, but Franklin and Valeria step in and save the day. This issue isn't great by any means, but bringing the event full circle is a nice touch, especially given the implications this book had on the main Empire series. If only every other tie-in had been this significant. Going on to Guardians of the Galaxy number 6, I gave this a 3 out of 5. This book is basically a giant therapy session for Nova, Richard Ryder Nova, but it's also a damn good jumping on point for new readers. I went into this looking forward to the book because I love Nova, but it wasn't exactly what I personally was looking for. The book manages to expertly weave in points from the past and summarize what's happened in the series really up until now, while also filling in some gaps for characters, specifically Nova. The big point is that it ends feeling the fallout of Empire, which can and should be huge for a team named Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I'm excited to see where it goes. However, I personally would have skipped this issue if it was billed as a recap issue rather than a Nova-centric issue. I've been reading, so I know what's going on. For me, the art in this issue was just okay. I understand why some would love it, but there was a lack of definition that I just tend to enjoy and did not get. Alright, last issue here. 
Wolverine number five, I gave this a three and a half out of five. Picking up where the last issue left off, it's basically an issue of Wolverine versus vampires, which is worthwhile for me personally, and I hope you too. Wolverine was placed in a block of ice, neither dead or alive, and is dredged up by a group of vampires. They explain that they're basically vampire rebels working against Dracula. They ride for a place called Black River Falls in Ontario, where disciples of Dracula have already started to work on the city. Multiple vampires are killed, and Wolverine makes it known that he's coming for Dracula and Omega Red. I enjoyed the pacing of this book as well as the visceral art style. Putting Wolverine up against an undead force of nature should be a thing we see more often, but somehow we really don't. Alright, as we go ahead and wrap up the show, there's no interview this week. Again, the whole schedule's just been screwed up, hopefully next week. I know, I feel like I'm stringing you guys along, but I promise it's coming! Uh, if you want to be on the show, hit me up on Twitter at SpiderMike29. I will make time for you. Looking ahead to next week, it should be another tight week just like this one, but that's okay. If my source is still accurate, I'm still looking forward to, on the DC side, Justice League Odyssey number 24, Nightwing number 74, and Flash number 761. On the Marvel side, Marauders number 12, Captain Marvel number 21, and Amazing Spider-Man number 48. Mike Stick Stack Attack is live. You still have about a week or two to get your guesses in to thetwistcape at gmail.com or to the twisted at the twisted cape and or at spider mike on 29 on twitter uh if you're okay with that being public or you can slide in the dms if that makes you more comfortable last announcement here i'm going to start doing just a look back at classic stories we'll probably release those the second week of each month starting in october i greatly look forward to doing that kind of like those look backs that we were doing during the coronavirus shutdown it'll be so much fun and i hope to get some guests on you can be a guest if you want you don't even have to have anything to promote it'll just be a good time we'll just hang out and chat that is all the time we have for this week make sure you subscribe to the twisted cape on your favorite podcast platform and if you don't you can just listen directly at the twistedcape.com we're at the twisted cape no spaces on every social media platform Facebook, the Gram, Twitter, and YouTube, where we might start putting some videos up from this show. Make sure you tune in to our weekly Wednesday, whatever the hell Sam calls it, live on Facebook on uh, Wednesdays. We'll also do it on YouTube, and make sure you live in the comments. We'll go over those during and at the end of each show. Finally, feel free to shoot us feedback on this show at thetwistedcape at gmail.com, and make sure you use the subject line MTS. Thanks for tuning in. So until next time, it's going in dry and coming out soggy. Stay safe, wear a mask, stay twisted. Fix that.